0: This is Jim Duncan with Nest Realty and Sweat The Details. This week, Mike Simonson with Altos Research joined us for the second time, and we discussed the housing crisis, the state of the market, interest rates, and some data points that may signal the market cool down. And we even touched on housing policy that may address our crisis. There was even one number that shocked us. Hope you enjoyed the show. everybody this is jim duncan with nest realty and uh sweat the details here with my partner keith davis and for the uh, second time around mike Simonson with altos research is joining us today hey guys nice to see you. and you know i think that we're we're going to jump right in today uh mike you know we were talking a few minutes ago about when will we know it's a cooling market i mean i think in in many of the markets around the country it's either smoking hot disgustingly hot really crazy when are we going to know that we are on the downward trend I mean, it might be too early to ask that question but i think well, it's we're always good to be prepared yeah so uh i mean
1: there's no signs of cooling yet right so there are um like it is only our crisis especially our inventory crisis is only intensifying right now um but uh my and it's funny you know you asked me this question uh a year ago or ten months ago I would have uh, I would have said that the you know recession or rising interest rates would either of those would be the trigger for a cooling market or a declining market uh, it turns out we went through massive recession and it re- recession did we the the market exploded in the face of that so that leaves the rising interest rates. And so what 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 we notice is that over the last decade, interest rates have averaged thirty-year fixed mortgage rates averaging four percent in the last decade. And in twenty, wait, wait
2: wait 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 wait. Sorry, Mike. It has been a decade that we've been at four percent. I, I mean, so obviously we've all been in this in our businesses now longer than we've been in a four percent rates and i mean jim what was the highest you ever saw selling i mean my first we're still still young I mean, your mom saw 18 20 right
0: i mean i my first loan you know 20 25 years ago was eight eight and eighth and i was you know clicking my heels and my wife and i were getting a rate of eight and an eighth for some 25 year old kids getting a you know getting eighty thousand dollars you know yeah (laughs) mine mine was
2: 7.625 but it was an arm yeah. which i which i gotta tell you i was amazed my mom's like anything below nine you're happy i'm like okay yeah. i'm happy like this yeah. is good but we've now we're now talking about a does we're a decade of years that we're we're at four percent average
1: at four percent average and so you know it's a really good deal right the money is really cheap and it's a really good deal to to own at that price um and uh and actually you know um, income on the properties, like, you know, between ADUs, Airbnb and, and, yep. you know, single flight like, income has been increasing in that time. So your costs are decreasing. So it's been a really good time to hold, uh, own real estate, uh, for that time in 2018 rates went from like 3.8% to, or three and a half percent to four and a half percent in the first and second quarter, first quarter of 2018. And we yep. felt it. And we felt it. And so it was to four and a half percent, right? It just four and a half percent, we felt it. All yep. of a sudden, those payments are a lot more expensive. And the difference between four and a half percent and 2.7, where we are now, is nuts, right? It right. is, like, I pay, I have a, a ski house in the mountains of Tot Lake Tahoe, which is uh, expensive compared to much of the world, but cheap compared to San Francisco. Um, and, uh, you know, I pay less on the mortgage of that house than I did on my rent in my apartment in San Francisco, 22 years ago, right? Like I pay the the mortgage on that house is less than, than the rent from years and years ago.
2: Okay. So let's go back 16 years, 2005, the majority of mortgages in the state of California were negative amortizing. Right. I mean, so just to make those numbers even work, we were seeing buyers were willing to lose money every month just on the equity of their house in order to get in.
1: Right. And that's the big difference between this boom market and that one. Uh, The difference is equity. We, uh, We went into the pandemic at record levels of equity. And then we had a 10% price appreciation year. So we have trillions of dollars of equity gained over the last year. And so, so now we get in a situation where even though there's like mortgage forbearance and people aren't like, nobody's going to be going into foreclosure because everybody has massive equity and everybody has an ultra cheap mortgage. So you know worst case scenario is you sell your house but in fact most people don't want to sell because it's such a good deal to to keep your current mortgage and so well, but I, I have
0: nowhere to, but but to go well that's the, cha- the challenge I've I've got a number of sellers I could wor- I could work with now that I would be literally making them homeless because going from a 350 house to their next step would be 600 and yeah. they'd be doubling their mortgage. But there's cheaper. a bigger
2: there's a bigger problem than that. The bigger problem is, is that the people who own the 350 house who do want to go to 600 are not willing to sell the 350. They're keeping it for Airbnb and for other rentals yes. because because the money's too cheap. And, and and they're saying, I will never be able to buy rental property again, so I'm just going to hold this thing
1: forever. I'm just going to hold it. Okay. And it, that's happened... We went from a decade ago, 10 million single-family homes uh, as rentals, to 18 million now. So each year we've had fewer and fewer homes for sale, new like existing homes for sale, because it's such a good deal to keep the old one.
2: So, Mike, wait, how many years? How many years did you say we went from 10 to 18? uh like the 2010 2011 time frame okay so so we're talking roughly a million homes a year are being removed
1: from the actual rooftops of of ownable of what you can buy buy. that's right the active inventory the possible active inventory is falling and now everybody has ultra cheap mortgages so those don't happen those like those are you know, you get to hold on
0: to that house forever
1: because you're paying right. 2.5%. Off. And so,
0: so, so let, me, let uh, me push on this. So with everybody, with all this inventory being pulled out of the market on an annual basis, what signals are you going to look for that will say, we're hit that, we're at that turning point, we're at this, this broad market is turning to be cooler. I mean, is it, is it. The only trigger so, are gonna be a massive like black swan recession or interest rates, or what should we be looking for that? Well, so rising interest
1: rates will be the first thing to to sit to that I will I'll first look at. So for example, when it goes above three, do we see anything? And what and see anything for me will be a few things. One is we track the percentage of homes on the market that take a price cut. And so you could think uh 35% rule of thumb a third of homes list they're overpriced you know sometimes that's strategic sometimes it's accidental whatever it up 35 percent rule of thumb and when the market's hot uh it's fewer than that have to take it because somebody rolled the dice and got and didn't have to take a price cut and so that and so right now it's only 20 percent of homes are taking a price cut So normal is 35%, but only 20. So then when it starts cooling, what happens is all of a sudden, you know, you list and it's 30 days later and somebody goes, oops. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you see it in the price reductions, boop, they start ticking up. And, and so we will, so one of the early places you see the demand weakening is in price reductions. Another place you see it is what we'll do is we track the, the cohort of newly listed properties every week to the the properties that came to market this week. Yes. And this is terrific because when you guys get, you know, you have a listing, you're going to bring it to market, you know, the off multiple offers down the street and the, you know, the ones that went faster than expected, or, you know, uh, the opposite, like, Oh, we got a listing. That one hasn't moved yet. And so the you know the 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 economics term is the wisdom of the crowds, where the realtors in in aggregate and the sellers are the the crowd, and in aggregate they know exactly where to price the home, and so the price of the new listing listing cohort ticks down, and it ticks down for a few weeks, and then the the active now it's the full active market. And then the transactions that start happening are happening down here. So we'll see. That's the other leading indicator that I'll keep my eye on is that price of the new listings. When demand backs off, that we'll see it in aggregate. You'll feel it when you price a home. And we'll see it in aggregate because we watch everyone price homes.
0: So are are there any markets around the country right now that you could put your finger on and say these are three or four you know markets that we're watching that are Either poised. I mean, the, I mean, we can we can identify the super hot markets by looking at the news, but are there ones yep. we can say these are the latent indicators that that y'all track that this is the next one to to see that surge of interest that uh, on the growth side on the upside, right? And and yeah. I'll preface that I'll preface that one one time with, I'm, I mean, I'm looking to see what if any impact the you know, COVID movement has been. And yeah. you read a lot. You read a lot about COVID COVID movement that is you know driven by the by you know the pandemic and some are ancillary um
1: you know, yeah but
0: so are, what are you looking at on that from from a market specific perspective the um the
1: things so the 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 markets that have uh accelerated most aggressively this year are the ones we call the zoom towns mm-hmm. uh you know they are the the Uh, And we all have also called it the co-primary home where it's like, I'm not selling my house in San Francisco, but turns out I'm living in Lake Tahoe, you know, much of the year. And so you get places like Tahoe and uh, Cape Cod in Massachusetts and you get um, you get Bend, Oregon and Palm Springs. And and so you get these places where people are like, I'm going to just go live my second home um and and uh so those have been the most aggressive uh in terms of home price. And then you can also measure the more rural areas in general are are tighter inventory all year. um and uh, part of the the narrative was you know, everybody's leaving the big cities and going out to the country. um that might have been true for about three months. But even in San Francisco right now, like it's multiple offers, it's tight inventory. You know, um, but is that um, is that
2: Mike? Because people in San Francisco just are holding onto their San Francisco homes as well as buying the Tahoes. I mean, yeah,
1: same, same thing, right? It's so
2: it's, it's but it's but it's not just it's not just that there are more buyers in San Francisco right now than there were. It's that even the people who have moved out as a as a we'll call them a semi primary residents they're holding on to it because they anticipate coming back to it and where they know that it's a good buy, they know it's a good hold. So they're not getting rid of it. So it's still the inventory constraint is still on the supply side. It's not just crazy high demand, right?
1: That's right. Uh, That's for sure. And, um, so that's exactly what happens, right? So you had, let's say you had your old home in San Francisco or in New York, and you got a four and a half percent interest rate. Now you refinance to 2.7 and you buy a second one. Right. And it's like, why am I selling the first one? Right. You know, it's um, so. But 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 does
2: that does that, though, draw a question of three years from now that when people are back to working in their offices in San Francisco, they're not spending Monday through Friday in Tahoe, that they're now questioning whether the Tahoe pad was worth it. And is that is this looking to future problems with that secondary home market? Or is it unlikely to actually waver? I mean, are we, because money's cheap enough that people are never going to have to sell
1: it. That, that, so that could be, right? It could be that they go, either, I, I, I didn't know the scenario, but it's like, there's a lot of people who moved out of San Francisco and bought in Tahoe and have not had to shovel snow all all winter in the Tahoe. They're like, this is their first winter doing that. And they may go, yeah, I don't like this. It turns out I don't like this. I like I you know, like it being 70 degrees of sunny every day like San Francisco is. Um, so that could change. Um, And they could and there could be some back off of that. Uh, But at the same time, you know, it's not like they got in over their heads because, you know, mortgages are so cheap that that uh, they're they're likely have an affordable payment. And so um, it could be also that we it turns out that because rates are so low right now. Um, and everybody in the country has a cheap mortgage, that um, we really are keeping the lid on inventory for a long, long time.
2: Okay. So builders love to hear this. Builders love to think about the, the potential for increased housing starts. Problem is we have a labor shortage of of tradesmen. Um, we have a massive shortage of supplies because we really haven't been harvesting lumber the way we need to. There's a limited supply, right? And, and picking too young causes problems. Um, so there is going to be a cap on what we can do in new supply. So when, what is it that sparks a seller surge? When do we get people wanting to either go from two homes to one and therefore freeing up potentially a million homes a year over a decade or do we land up with sellers who you know are moving i mean are just moving to
1: different markets and selling so yeah one point of potential optimism is that the boomers are now in their 70s and so part of the uh, I like to say the boomers ruined everything, like every time, everywhere we look, right? Um, but so one of the things, you know, like one of the assumptions, the previous assumptions would be that, you know, we we sell our houses every whatever it was, you know, four years or seven years, and now we hold on to them for 10 years. And and boomers literally have never sold, them, right? They didn't downside, they didn't like, and so, but maybe as the boomers go from 70 to 80, now we start seeing some of them say, let's let's loosen up some of that inventory we've been sitting on." We have the the Gen X in the middle, right? The small generation Gen X in the middle. um but but the demand right behind that is the millennials, which is even bigger than the boomers, right? And so, um so it could be that there is some, um, you know, boomer inventory that becomes available in the next three, five years, you know, you know the next part of the decade where they, um, like, they're, they're getting
0: old. Yeah, but, but there's nothing there to plan on that, you know, that, that we can have a huge swath of inventories going to the market in the next you know, five years. No. Um, and really, it's,
1: you know, it's as interest rates climb and then stay elevated. Now, you know, you get, people who don't have as good a, a mortgage and then they go to, to move, then they have to sell the first one. And so over time the inventory becomes, you know, uh it loosens up a little bit. Right.
0: Do you or, think there could be a you know, rush? The next,
1: you buy, the next so, one you buy is like, well I might I have one at two and a half, but the next one, if it's six, now I have to sell to be able to afford the new one. And so those kinds of things go on. Right.
0: I mean, do you think there could be a rush when rates start to – and I think I know the answer to this because we saw it two years ago. When rates start to go up, you know, to four, four and a half, or five, could there be a rush of buyers to there? I mean, could they balance out with the ones who are who 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 are who are priced out immediately? If they're looking at $650,000 at three and a quarter, and it goes to four and a quarter, they, a lot of people aren't going to be able to afford that.
1: Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> does that, like, maybe make – a, uh, a group of buyers looking to get in right before it ends kind of thing? Like well, a choice, I, think, look, I, th-
2: I think we've always said that people don't buy a $650,000 house, they buy a $3,200 mortgage, right? I mean, this is the buyer doesn't it, it the purchase price isn't the important factor until you go to sell it. Right, it's the, right. the purchase price only matters as to what your ongoing monthly expense is. So, you know, I've always held that as interest rates go up, you you start seeing at least downward pressure on the price because people are still viewing that as a thirty two hundred dollar a month house. Um, now, it doesn't always hold dollar. You know, it's not a straight line question, but we certainly see the price appreciations happening that way. We certainly, you know, we've we've looked at. With 20% down, we certainly track what a, the monthly payment is every month for the average home in our market. And it's getting cheaper. I mean, even with price appreciations, it's getting cheaper. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I just, I'm not sure that going to four pushes that many folk out. It certainly puts a mental block on, wow, we missed the bottom of the market. Right. But we all know that a searching stock market doesn't people, stop people from buying the stock. Right? It excites people.
0: I'm not going down that road today. It's just way too. <laughs> it's, it's been a crazy Game GameStop kind of week, right? But did well, you know that? You bill, know? Did, you, did you know that Build a Bear is a public company? I had no idea. Ooh, really? Yeah, that's that's in the whole GameStop thing right now. Build a Bear is one that uh, apparently has been has been targeted. One but that they're anyway. trading.
1: That's a okay. good. Yeah, but it's funny, you know. It, it what's that's actually you know uh, something I've been thinking about. It was like we have massive appreciation in all our financial markets and a lot of like crazy speculation yes and you know in the real estate market you can see it so i we already talked about price price decreases price cuts but you can actually we actually measure price increases too So, so excuse me the percentage of homes that were recently you know, on the market, and now they're back on the market at a higher price. So it's and flips, totally. it's like investor yep. things, and nationally, we're at the highest we've ever i I've ever seen it. Like we're at six point six percent of the homes on the active market right now. We're on the market ninety days ago at a lower price, and so like in you say, can see it in the say act- it, say, say, Yeah, Say yeah. that again. This is this again, is sorry. where I
2: wish we were doing audio shows. The the facial expressions that Jim and I are both looking at this 6.6% of all homes on the market were on the market 90 days ago for less money for less money
1: um that's right the active market and so you can see what's interesting is you know you can look at places like atlanta and you know dallas and that's actually pretty commonly around 10% like there's an active you know, investor flip, you know, there's all those kinds of things going on. Um, maybe the iBuyers, too, that, you know, came in and did their thing. Um, uh, and, and but nationally, it's normally about, you know, two, three percent. You can see that normally. Right. There's this there's activity like sometimes that's, by the way, not just a flip, but it's a it's like a marketing strategy. Yeah. It was lower before the holiday. And now it's January. We're bringing it back on a little higher price so that like, it actually rises every year in January.
2: Yeah, well, I will tell you the other thing that we're seeing um, is for sale by owners um, that are testing the market, and when they get an offer, they refuse it even if it's full price, and then go on the open market at a higher price. Right? They're they're wow. finding out. Okay, what's what's the bottom number? Okay. We think the house is worth five. Let's just put it out there quietly. See if we get five, and if we do, we'll put it on the market for five forty. And this is not an this is not a one time deal. Like this happens. Yeah. This we're seeing in lots of markets and lots of sellers.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, you know, you can, yeah, exactly. So there's any there's a, a number of ways. It, the the measuring that number doesn't know why it was lower and now higher. Yeah, but. But a lot of it are things like uh you know like investors or flips or fix and flips or you know no it's they, happening at every
2: like. price point this is happening you know we've we there there's a house i can think of in one of our markets specifically in talking with the listing agent that would be in the top two percent of all homes sold price wise and they were they got a full price offer quietly from from a, you know under a pocket listing and then said, you know what, this is crazy. Why would we not put it on the market and see what it's worth? And a this is literally a top two percent of all homes sold in the MLS, and they let up with seven offers on it. That is crazy. That is, I mean, we have never seen that kind of buying frenzy at a, at a super luxury high-end price point in, in any markets. I mean, that just does, I mean, maybe you saw it, but I mean, you think about it in San Francisco, if it's $3 million, sure, you get seven, seven offers all the time. That's not shocking. But if I told you you were getting seven offers on a $30 million property outside San Francisco, it, that would seem weird, right? That's yeah, the equivalent which, of what, that's yeah. what we're talking about. And I think yeah. that's just, that is a, you know, it speaks to the the demand that is out there of people and the value that people are placing on their own money right now, right? The, the stock yeah. market is high. The equities are high. People are willing to trade from one commodity into a different, you know, a different asset class right. and, it, you know, and real estate's getting is picking it up because people can leverage it for free. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, yeah, where are we uh, going, where, it is Mike, where do we right. go from here? I mean, you're, you're, you know, next eight, next 15, 18 months and and five years.
1: Um, so, you know. Um, you know, the five year is pretty, um, is interesting because the millennial demand, like this is not just our, our current demand is not, I mean, yes, money's cheap and that helps. Um, but millennials are the biggest population cohort ever. and they're all of a sudden in their peak earning and home buying years, and so, uh, so that's you know demand for five, ten years, um, and we and they're also famously, you know, later to that demand than than other generations. So like that, that implies that 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 bullish period, demand period, is extended. Um so, demographically, that's you know really strong household formation wise, that's really bullish for the next five years. Um, and you know in the in the twelve to eighteen months, um you know all of the leading indicators right now are bullish for pricing, transaction volume, like everything is pointed in the you know going to be a a big crazy year time um what is what uh i don't have visibility into is like if we get a spike of interest rates then what's a spike
2: in your mind right now i mean, well, I mean seriously we're 2.625 we're yeah. or 2.5 on 30 year
1: yeah so um so you know we go to three and a half that will materially change people's payments and if we go to four and a half like we did in 2018 we already saw that, and so that was now above the ten-year average. Okay, and and so so like, you're
2: thinking more than a hundred basis points in terms of when you say a spike, we're talking well, a full a full percentage point. Yeah,
1: more. I mean that's that's sort of my gut. You know, okay. do we see it at, at you know at three percent? Like, you know, do we all of a sudden get used to making two and a half percent and three is now a lot big? I don't know. I, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know how to see that yet. But four and a half will be over the long-term average will
0: be higher than the long-term average rate? sure so uh, one of the last questions i'll ask is going to be um you know i i i read one, one of my number one reads on a daily and weekly basis is calculated risk um you know it's been it's recommended reading for you know, for all realtors i think but all for my consumers and clients i tell them to poke in there once in a while to get some you know layman's I- I evaluation of what the markets are doing How long have you been pushing your information to him because i noticed a little while ago just said hey mike's mike's got his his, is has his stuff out there a little bit um how long have you been so well you know we
1: like have um we launched altos research in 2006 and i think uh bill mcbride probably launched calculated risk around that time uh as blogging was really taking off and he just started posting economic data um, and so we've we've been in contact, you know, a little bit here and there via Twitter and social media uh, during that time. Um, it's really been the last year when we've done some new things at Altos where we've, you know, turned out national data and started, we do these weekly videos and, you know, doing that kind of work that um, it's sort of been a a, a new push for us. Externally. And so just recently, Bill reached out to me and said, you know, ask, ask me about like, hey, can I publish the weekly numbers on inventory? And, you know, happy to have him have him do that, because like, uh, yeah, as you say, he's a he's a clear headed voice uh, mm-hmm. uh, on, on all things economic data.
0: Yeah. So it, and I'll put a link to, to his blog as well. Uh, but your the, the, your weekly videos, I found really informative because they're short they're concise they're really informed really good data but it also allows me to sort of prod my own local analysis that's going to be again I, I i tell my clients to look at their micro markets which you know mm-hmm. it's for you know that four bedroom two and a half bath and this small narrow band of, of a market um yep. so your le- your your analysis helps me say oh i need to look at it through this angle as well um so it, again it's yeah. I find them very useful to to look at every, every Monday, I think. Yep. Yep. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, so Mike, I want to, I want to, let me, we've, we're going on to the longer side of this, but I love, I love conversations with you. So I'm going to, I'm going to make this go out another three or four minutes if we can. What's up with Altos? Where are you guys, what is your next step? Are, are you guys working on anything fun, different? What do we need to, what do we need to look out for your speedometer?
1: So, um, we've had a heck of a year it's been really it's been a quite a year to be in the market data business um and uh turns out that every realtor needs to be able to inform their clients and not every realtor is you know jim who does that level of you know work on the data um and so we do that you know for folks and and uh so reaching people um, so it's been a great year for us. And, and we're doing a, a lot of new, some cool new product development things, some of the like national regional data, some advanced analytics work that will be coming out really soon. Um, one of the interesting things is like, you know, um, realtors reach, you know, you want to be in touch with your friends, clients, prospects, past clients. and And one of the the most uh, compelling ways that we've done that over the last 15 years or more is with listing alerts. So a new listing comes out. Here's your new listing. Here's a listing in your price range. And and um, but I've been asking my clients, like, you know, what do you do when there are new list? There are no listings, and there are no listings in your price range. Like all of a sudden there are no listing alerts. Right. Uh, But there is market data and the market data is always fresh and is always compelling. And so we've had, uh, you know, helping a lot of folks like, like, you know, that's what we do is like help you reach out with the market data. So your clients stay informed and you, you know, every time you talk to them, you get, you know, there's there's really interesting stuff in their inbox. Um, And so that's, you know, it's. It's one of those things where it's um, you know the market's been insane and we were lucky enough to have some of the pieces right in place that, yeah. to, um, to be able to help a lot of people through it.
2: Well, that's awesome. Well let me let me let me close. You've had the question posed to you in the past the last time you were on here, and we always ask it of all of our guests. but what's the what's the one detail you were sweating? These days, with with and you can point to altos, you can point to inventory, you can point to market data, whatever, or you can point to your Tahoe house and talk about what's <laughs> going on up there. But um, what's what's the one detail that's keeping you up at night and you're sweating?
1: Well, we're in a crisis of low inventory, and um, you know it was surprising and fascinating to watch throughout the last ten months. Now I'm in a situation where I'm worried about like what happens if this year you know never escape it right we're at 60 percent fewer homes than we need on the market like how does that impact things long term how does that impact our businesses like so uh I, I'm you know like it's as uh you know it's it, nice that homes are moving fast and you know but but we're in a real crisis, and yeah. uh, and, I, and I'm not sure our policymakers understand that. Like the crisis that the policymakers are are facing are like, how do we keep people in their homes? How do we keep people from being for, doing, going to foreclosure, like having to move out? They're, all the policy has been about helping people stay in their homes. Uh, and so, you know, even if there are two and a half million people who haven't paid their mortgage in a year, like like they you know like like we have another crisis that we we're in which is like boy we could use two and a half million homes <laughs>
2: well i mean okay so let's talk about public policy they could shift that right and and again i'm not suggesting that what i'm going to say is is popular or is practical but you know changing real estate tax rates based on whether a property is primary or secondary or investment Yep. immediately changes the math of who should own it and it Absolutely. does start it does start providing liquidity to the asset right yes. um so i i think there are tools in the toolbox we just i don't know that anybody has the stomach to try them because i think this 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 crisis and i agree with you entirely this is a crisis um and talk to any of our buyers who are looking for a primary residence it is a crisis um yeah. You know the the question that you would have to ask any policymaker is, do you think this this crisis will continue until your election? Because that is the only question that needs to be answered for a policymaker to determine whether they care or not. If yeah. this is going to end yeah. before the midterms, we don't have to worry about it. We're not. This isn't our problem. um America. And I and I think that's that's where the big that's my concern with your crisis question.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, the tax policy is a really fascinating, Cal, you know, California has such, you know, has, has had inventory crisis for 40 years because California locked its real estate taxes down 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so the, you know, the average tax rate on property in, in San Francisco is 0.6% is your property tax rate. And so, uh, and because if you bought your house, you know, 40 years ago, you're still paying, even though you bought a million dollar house then, and it's worth 17 million. Now you're still paying on a million dollar valuation. Right, in seven, right, right. And, uh, and so you'd never sell it for the same reason, the mortgage we've been talking about. Right. So you never sell. Um, and on the, it's, it's also why a place like Texas with high real estate taxes has a much more fluid. Market yeah. way more listings available per person than there is in California, um, and it's a like nobody wants to raise income raise property taxes. Nobody wants to push granny out, and those are legitimate fears. But the <laughs> downside is that people never sell. Okay, th- I, I, this is gonna be.
0: Keith, you get you do, one more. You I'm you do, get one more. Well, no,
2: you do realize that our last question, the sweat the detail question, it came three minutes ago, Jim. You, we, you,
0: you started this. We, yeah, no, I started it <laughs> three minutes
2: before that. I said I was gonna push this out a little bit longer. But yeah. right. go ahead, Jim.
0: Uh, so with this, with I mean, you start talking policy and, and tax rates. Hey, we have to go a minute or two longer. Can, could you see these the areas like Dallas, like like Texas that have more listings than they have buyers for right now? Could you see them making a push to California buyers or other buyers to become their own Zoom towns? They're going to draw people out as people are able to work remotely much with much more frequency and regularity. Can you see these areas that are going to be welcoming arms to these people to say, look, I know it's awful there, but we've got homes for sale? Yeah, for
1: sure. And that's definitely, um, I mean, that that happens a lot, right? That's a big, you know, narrative of people moving, moving to Texas from California. Right. Um, it's, uh, so that definitely happens a lot. Um, and, um, and it's probably healthy, right? It's probably yeah. healthy for, you know, supply and demand reasons. Um, even Texas is crazy tight. Now, you know, it's not like cre- Texas has, you know, too many, but they just, you know, we track, you can track per ca- inventory per capita, the number of homes available per population size, and, um, you know, you might see in a 30,000, you know, population home in, in normal times, 30,000 population town in, in the Bay Area um, versus Texas, like outside of Dallas, same demographic. There might be, in normal times, there might be 1,000 homes for sale or, or 500 homes for sale in Dallas, and there's 40 homes for sale in uh in in the bay area is california so that's the normal difference in inventory per capita um and right now even even texas is way low and you know the california ones are essentially at zero
2: all right, Mike, I'm going to have to draw it off on yeah. that one. Um, Thank,
0: uh, I think we I think we end on the crisis. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> That's right.
2: Look, anytime you crisis. want to come back on, we'd love to have you, and we'd love to kind of continue the conversation of, of seeing where this market goes and, and keep hearing thoughts. It is going to be fascinating to watch as the next year or two plays out, new administration in the White House, new Congress, new, you know, same problems. Um, and we've got two years until the next election before anybody has to deal with it. So um, yeah. it is going to be a uh, an interesting period to watch to see how quickly anybody wants to take on these challenges because they you know like you said they are crises and but there are policy changes that can impact it um if people are willing to be strong enough to do it
1: i don't think that most of the policymakers recognize the that crisis that we're in they are fighting a different crisis yes and and it'll be like i don't know how we how that changes or how we get out of that but um, and on
0: and on that mike thank you very
1: much (laughs) thank you as always guys love love
0: Talking with you, yeah, yeah it's uh, fantastic. Mike, Thanks for coming Mike, on, Mike and Atlas Research. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it.